There's nothing in our gospel any more paramount than we teach the nature and the necessity of the new birth. And uh, God's God's given me that on my heart. Been a lot of opposition. You know, uh, the Lord's been moving in a mighty way here in the past few weeks. And it's been overwhelmingly wonderful. Fellas, there may be a couple of chairs back there in the back corner that if you want to pull them out here to the door, you're welcome to do that. I'm sorry I took your picnic table away from you, didn't I? We'll work on that. God's been good. And the devil's been fighting. Been a lot of opposition. Had a lot of opposition against my throat. And you just feel that oppression and that struggle. You know what? All God's got to do is speak the word. And the devil has to flee. And even if God wants us to fight through a bunch of devils, just tell somebody the gospel, that's okay. And uh, I want God to be pleased and honored. If you find your place this morning in uh, John chapter number 3, I know you just got settled in, but if you don't mind, if you're able to, and I realize everyone's not, if you'd like to stand and honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. John chapter number 3 is a very familiar portion of Scripture, and a whole lot of you could quote this. But I think it would do us very, very much good just to read this reverently and maybe i'll look at what it's saying as we go through john chapter number three and verse number one says there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the jews the same came to jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from god for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except god be with him Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I don't think Nicodemus was being a smart aleck. I think Nicodemus just honestly didn't understand what he was saying. And uh, Brother Jesse and I were, were planning a little trip real quick, maybe this afternoon, run up to Pennsylvania. And he was talking to a man up there, and uh, and he talked about John 3, 3, and he said, I just don't understand that. And Brother Jesse was just laughing and shaking his head, looking at me and said, he just don't understand it. Nicodemus didn't just understand this. This is spiritual things here. This is serious, serious spiritual matters. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water. That's not talking about the placenta of the mother's womb. This is not the natural birth. Everything Jesus is expounding right here is the supernatural birth, the new birth. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, capital S. That's the person of the Holy Ghost. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Brother Mark says, bovines make bovines and felines make felines and canines make canines and flesh makes flesh. And that's all flesh can do. It takes the spirit to create a spiritual birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, 
Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel, knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Jesus was talking about himself and the Spirit. Yes, sir. He said, I'm trying to tell you things I've seen. You can't understand what I'm telling you. Verse number 12, if I've told you of earthly things, what's he talking about? Birth. He's just simply talking about birth. Giving birth to a baby. A very simple, physical, earthly illustration. And if I've told you of earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? If the Lord will help me this morning, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to be long, but I just want to take a few minutes in the very simplest terms that I can and explain the new birth. In Genesis chapter number 2, if you want to help a sinner understand the new birth or the necessity of the new birth, you've got to go back to Genesis and start with the beginning of where this thing messed up. In Genesis 2.16, the Lord God commanded the man, that's Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. When Adam partook of that fruit, Adam saw his wife Eve first take the fruit. There was such a profound change that took place in his wife that Adam, not because he was deceived, but because of his love for his wife, willingly, voluntarily, intentionally, methodically, with purpose, partook of the fruit that day. Satan didn't beguile Adam. Adam knew very well what he was doing. But there was such a separation between Adam and Eve. Adam, rather than live in the garden alone, eternally, without that help that God had made for him and the woman that he took out of Adam's side, Adam made a conscious decision that I would rather die with her than live without her. And Adam took that fruit that day, and immediately Adam was arraigned, tried and condemned of sin and disobedience, found guilty and sentenced to a sentence of death. Death at once became and began to work inside of him and sin sowed the seed of corruption in Adam's mortal body that day. And now what had been life and liberty suddenly became an existence of misery and affliction and disease and soon would end in a physical death. Immediately, the spiritual or moral death took place. He lost his original righteousness and with which he was created in the image of God. And now the image of God in Adam was deformed and defiled. And the powers and faculties of his soul were corrupted. And dead in trespasses and sins, Adam, once clothed in innocence 
And Adam, once clothed in the Shekinah glory of God, was now naked and cursed to exist under the power of sin and a depraved human nature over which he had no power. Adam's got us in a mess. Jeremiah 13, 23. The prophet said, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Jeremiah said, You can't change your nature any more than a leopard can change his spots. But that's precisely what Adam tried to do. Adam ran into the bushes and sewed fig leaves together and came up with a false religion that he thought could cover his sin from a holy God. That's what I see in every Baptist church I go into today. I see men and women and boys and girls that are so full up to here with religion that they almost stink in the nostrils of man and they do stink in the nostrils of God because they're so full of religion. I know, friends, I was there. I was there from the time I was 12 years old till I was 25 years old. I had the same religion most folks do today, but I was lost and unregenerate and on my way to hell. And now to satisfy the demands of the law and justice, Adam and his entire posterity, without a divine creator becoming a savior, Adam's going to be damned to an eternity without God. An eternal death and his entire posterity with him. Because the word of God says the wages of sin are death. The book of Romans says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered in and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Adam's got us in a mess here. And we're under a curse of sin and death. Which means if you sin, you die. Amen. That nature was in me as a four-year-old boy. I remember getting up on the kitchen table at my uncle's house. There was one crisp green dollar bill of egg money in the center of that table. And the depraved nature inside of me caused me to lust for that dollar bill. And I took that dollar bill as a four-year-old child and I put that in my pocket. Guess what? Sin was working death in me. Today, I would venture to say that most of us have something more than a dollar in egg money hid in your world because of the sin nature. And the Lord Jesus speaks to Nicodemus who's clothed in the fig leaves of religion. Nicodemus was a master in Israel. If any man could have possibly gone to heaven without the new birth, it would have been Nicodemus. His name, by definition, means innocent blood. Nicodemus was a sweet, humble, tender man and a leader in Israel. Nicodemus meets the Lord Jesus with all of his accolades. No doubt fasted twice a week. No doubt memorized the first five books of the Bible. Gave tithes of all that he owned. And he met Jesus and all of his niceties called him master and called him rabbi. Jesus didn't return not one nicety to Nicodemus. But Brother Mark looked him square in the eyes and said, If you don't get born again, you're going to go to hell. 
and I'm, I'm afraid that I choked Baptist four rows back this morning because I've been one all of my life and most of my life was an unregenerate lost Baptist and I look at religious folks this morning and I want to tell you this morning, I want to make sure you understand that apart from the new birth, you're going to die and go to hell. So you better perk your ears up and you better listen and you better make sure this morning you've got something besides hokey religion. You better make sure you've got something besides a little altar experience, praying a little prayer. You got something more than a baptismal certificate to hang on the wall. You better make sure you've experienced the new birth. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I'll give you five or six or seven things right quick this morning that are very rudimentary, elementary principles of a birth. You say, Preacher Mike, all this stuff, you find this in the Bible, well, sure. But the Lord Jesus Christ made this so simple that he said, I'm going to give you a simple earthly illustration. And Nicodemus, if you can't get this, you're not going to get heavenly things. There's never been a birth... In the natural realm of a marriage of a man and his wife coming together in union. The way God meant it to be. There's never been a birth apart from a passion. There's got to be a love affair between a man and a woman. And I believe with all of my heart, whether you understand this or not, the sweet Holy Ghost of God has been coming around this little church and romancing somebody's soul for the last few weeks. God's been loving on His people. And without that love affair, without that passion in that marriage, there's not going to be children. But I'll make you a promise. When God's children get clean enough that the Holy Ghost is not ashamed to love on you and hug on you and kiss somebody, on you and you love on him back in that passion of that marriage right there there'll be children born there's got to be a passion never been a birth without it there's never been a birth without two parents uh, this ain't no test two baby deal here this is two natural parents in a natural setting and Jesus said except man be born of water and all the spirit now that water you need to understand, is not baptism. The Word of God said over in Ephesians 5, 25 and 6, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. There's nothing confusing about that. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed. What's the corruptible seed? That's Adam's seed. But of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Apart from the preaching of this book, the whole world is damned. You can't get saved apart from this is one parent in the birth. And if you're ever going to experience the new birth, you're going to have to hear preaching. And that's why it's so important, come hell or high water around here. It don't matter if you choke three rows back. The preacher's about to fall out and have a heart attack. If we got to pull a bottom plow down and run right through the middle of somebody's pee patch, we're going to preach around here. Because it ain't going to be clowns and puppets and a bunch of foolishness and big bird and Batman that get folks saved. It's going to be preaching this old book. 
And I'm not talking about just cramming it down somebody's throat, but I'm talking about just telling folks what this book says. I believe in I believe plain English is easy understood. I mean, if you're looking for fluff and if you're looking for polish and you're looking for a social atmosphere, this is probably not the place. I mean, I just believe plain English, Brother Mark. If you've got a, if you've got a booger on your lip, I'm going to tell you you need to wipe your face. <laughs> Country folks understand that, Brother Terry. Sure. I mean, just be plain and be yes, simple. Amen. It takes a passion and it takes parents, not just one. It takes two. He said being born again of water, that's the preaching of the Word of God. But of the Spirit, capital S, that's the person of the Holy Ghost. And you see a lot of folks in Baptist circles today have the idea that they can stand up with dead law and dead truth and somehow or another that God is sitting on the throne popping volumes a twiddling his thumbs and a leaning on a big staff or a cane or something just worried to death whether or not anybody's ever going to get saved. <laughs> Ain't happening, friend. God's sovereign. Amen. He's the holy creator that spoke this world into existence and God in his foreknowledge already knows who's going to get in and who ain't. But God said that it's going to take two. It's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is where the Baptist church has missed it. We've let Pentecostals scare the daylights out of us, and they didn't mean to, but we just got so timid about the mention of the Holy Ghost of God, it scared us to death. But apart from the Holy Ghost, you won't get saved. Because Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I'll raise him up at the last day. How's the Father draw men to it? Through the Holy Ghost. Well, I remember when God started dealing with me. God started working on my heart, Terry. I lived such a a wicked life. I was a 25-year-old young man. Most of you already know this, and it don't matter about all that, but, but I really thought I was going somewhere. My mother and I sat down and talked, and we were about to do a front job for Charlie Daniels. And my my mother said, boy, this is what you've always wanted. I mean, this is what you've always wanted, what you've always worked for. And I said, Mama, this is the big time. This is, this is, this is it, Mama. Miss Diane, that night on that stage in front of those people, there was something that came over me that was an emptiness. There was such a chasm in my soul, and I didn't understand at the time. I felt like I was alone on the moon. But it was the sweet Holy Ghost of God coming by to shake up my world and disturb me and let me know I was in trouble and I needed help. Because, Brother Jesse, everything I ever worked for wasn't making me happy. It was the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And that brings me to another point this morning. There's never been a birth without pain. Now, I know we don't like to admit that. Where there's no conviction, there's no conversion. Let me help you with this. I I saw a demon-possessed young man sit on my couch in my living room about a year ago. And he screamed and he pitched fits and he carried on. And he came to the conclusion that I thought he wasn't saved. I don't know how he got to that conclusion, but he had me pegged on that. And he looked at me and he said, if I die and go to hell, it's your fault. In the midst of that conversation, that young man said, but I remember being under conviction. Miss Megan, conviction's not conversion. 
multitudes of people, Brother Wester, are brought under conviction and brought to the threshold of the door to the place where they've got to make a decision. And a lot of people do business with a lot of things. When I was 12 years old as a child, I was under conviction. I did business with my daddy, who was my pastor. I did business with the elders of the church that came to that altar and prayed. I did business with a a little old prayer. I did business with a whole lot of things. But I didn't do business with the most important one there. Conviction is not conversion. But apart from conviction, you'll never get saved. And I look across this congregation this morning, and I remember some of you very distinctly when you got under conviction and God began to deal with your little heart. Miss Nita, God tore you up like a dollar watch. Bless your little old heart. You mothers that's ever given natural childbirth, you know that you know, little Miss Jamie, there's pain involved in childbirth. And when the church is willing to carry the baby in the womb of the church, when God gets to pour it on the church, God gives you a burden for lost sinners. And listen, there's a time, Miss Velda, that God lets you be so broken on the inside like the Apostle Paul, you'd have been willing to go to hell for them. So broken. There's a pain involved in childbirth. That pain will start with the church. And I believe when Zion travails, she brought forth. And when the church begins to travail, Brother Mark, she'll bring forth. You know why we don't see more fruit than we do? We've not really travailed. We get frustrated. We get aggravated. We worry about men's methods. We worry about Preacher Mike going to drop the ball and miss God today. Well, it ain't up to Preacher Mike. I'm just a little piece in a big puzzle. But it takes the work of the Holy Ghost of God. And it's not just painful for the mother. It's painful for that child that's literally contorted and their skulls literally compressed passing through the birth canal. If any man, woman, boy, or girl sitting under the sound of my voice has truly been born of the Spirit of God, Brother Jesse, you can go back and you can remember how God tore you up like a new ground. I remember, Miss Pat, God tore up my world. And I was in turmoil, and I was trying to get help, Terry. I mean, I was in such a mess, I'd pray. Everywhere I went, I'd try to pray. I remember pulling in the parking lot up there at Hardy's. It's Taco Bell now. Pulling in the parking lot up there and pouring my heart out to God. And I would weep, and I would cry, and I would pray. I couldn't get any help. i feel better for a little bit. For a little while, and then it just all come back, Brother Ricky. There's pain involved in a birth. There's never been a birth without pain. There's never been a birth without a place. My mama gave me a certificate the other day that's beautiful. It's got an etched picture of the old Wilkes General Hospital. And it says on that certificate, and a doctor had signed it, that on August the 22nd, 1964, Mary Reeves gave birth to a bouncing baby boy and called him Michael Lee. There was a time, Miss Megan, and a place where my natural birth happened. And every one of you here this morning, there's a birth that took place and there's a place where you know it took place, Johnny. But there's never been anybody ever born of the Spirit of God truly experience the new birth that cannot go back to the time and the place where God saved you. Now listen, I know a lot of people get confused. And I'll be honest with you. 
I can't tell you what month of the year I got saved. I don't know. I struggle with it, Eric. Sometimes I'm not certain if I got saved in 1989 or 1990. I'm not certain. I'm not 100% positive what year I got saved. I'm not 100% positive what month it was. I think it was in the summer, Brother Ricky, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm not talking about a date on a calendar. I'm talking about... I can take you back today to a green and cream-colored trailer on the Fair Plains Road at 3 o'clock in the morning after a Saturday night gig at the Roundup. I went into that little trailer, and I sat down about 3 o'clock in the morning on a raggedy couch on the left-hand side of the living room, and I sat in the middle of that couch, Brother Ricky, and poured my heart out to God. I don't remember what day it was. I don't remember what month it was. I'm not sure what year it was, but I know good and well on that couch that night, the sweet son of God came into my heart and changed my world, and I have never been the same since. Don't don't tell me you're born again and you can't go back to a time and place where it happened. Ain't no such thing. There's a place and there's a pedo. Word pedo just means baby. It means infant. That night, Brother Jesse, there was birth took place and I was just a babbling baby. I didn't know much. I didn't have no sense coming out of the rain, Brother Mark. I was just happy to be alive. Can you remember... When God just put joy in your soul when you got born of the Spirit of God and Miss Diane, you really couldn't even explain it. You didn't even understand it. It wasn't intellectual joy. It wasn't intellectual happiness. There was just something in my heart just going pitter-patter and jumping up and down. And I was so happy. I was just glad to be alive. I remember the first man I ever witnessed to was a lost Baptist preacher. <laughs> he was bailing hay for me out on the farm, and I went and leaned up against a fence and propped my foot up on the barbed wire and started telling him about what God had done for me. I wasn't even smart enough to know what God had done for me. I just knew I was different. He turned about three shades of pale and looked at me and said, Well, I'm glad you got things right with God. I got hay to bail. <laughs> you know why? Because when you get saved, you get born again, there's a new child, there's a new creature. Now, you parents know what it's like. Some of you, it's been a while, and you might not remember real well, but some of you, it's got small children. You look back, and you remember how your house changed when you brought that baby home. How everything in your world, all of a sudden, you had to start taking things that were at this level and start putting them at this level. Everything changed. Locks on the cabinets. All kinds of things changed out the house. And I've said this before, but it's still true, Brother Ricky. Even your language changed out the house. I mean, you start saying gag, gag, goo, goo, and, and all them little pet names and, and messing with that baby. I remember when my language changed, Terry. I remember when God worked something in my heart that made me a different person than the one I used to be. Miss Lord can tell you when things changed at our house. All that old filth on the television got thrown out. And instead of laying in the bed and sobering up on Sunday mornings and laying there till lunchtime, get up and see if he could eat a hard boiled egg. On Sunday mornings, we got to going up and going to the house of God. Because yes. Yes. when there's a baby in the house, everything changes. My soul, it bothers me when I see folks that have to work so hard to figure out when something changed in their world. It's a permanent change, Brother Jesse. Did you know that? 
I know a lot of folks think they can lose their salvation, but I didn't get born of corruptible seed. I got born of incorruptible seed. You see, the new nature that got born in me is born of the everlasting Word of God. It wasn't born of man, nor the will of man, but it was born of the will of God and the Word of God, and it's eternal, everlasting. Someone comes in, they pray, they make a profession, and they run well for a little while. Praise God, I'm saved. Come to church and shout the victory. And about six weeks later, you can't find them with three FBI agents and a search warrant. And a little while later, they're back out there where they started. Let me help you with some sound theological Bible doctrine. They never got it. They had an emotional, volitional experience just like I did when I was 12 years old. But they did not receive the new birth because it's an eternal birth. It changes you forever. There's a pedo, and I'm finished here. There's a posterity. The word posterity very simply means future generations. I am the posterity of Jesus Christ. Oh, not what you can see, what's on the inside, what's eternal. Born from above that lives forever is the posterity of Jesus Christ. It's his fruit. When you look around this morning, these children, Brother Jesse, that's your posterity. Your children, your grandchildren, that's your posterity. That's the fruit of your womb that you leave. That's a testimony of who you are and where you came from. And my daddy's dead and gone. But there's a whole lot of my daddy that lives on in me. There's a whole lot of my daddy that lives on in my sister. And when you truly get bored of the Spirit of God, there is something holy that lives on that's perpetuated from you. I'm talking about fruit. I'm talking about the fruit of your life and your love for God that lives on. Now, let me ask you a question. What's the fruit of your life been? On and off, in and out, and up and down, hot and cold. Some people's had a, a lifetime of heartache. I mean, it's just been one tragedy to another tragedy, and there's never really been true peace. Bitterness and envy and strife. When you really get born of the Spirit of God, there's fruit in your life. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit that remains. And I realize that there's some times that hardships come and troubles come and heartaches come. And in the last three or four weeks, I've experienced some of the greatest tragedy and heartbreak in my life. Miss Diane, in the midst of all that mess, in the midst of all that Satan throws out and throws against God's children, if you've ever really been born of the Spirit of God, there's a peace on the inside of a child of God that passes all understanding, Brother Tim, and the Holy Ghost of God produces something in a child of God that even when you face great trials and tribulations, there's a peace in you. Now, there's some of you that sit here this morning and you'd have to stand up and, and, and bold-faced lie right now to say you got that kind of peace in your heart. And I see folks all the time. I mentioned this the other night. My, we spent a lot of time in Florida with Sister Lori's family. And I see multitudes of elderly folks that come to Florida to retire. And I see a multitude of the most pathetic humanity that there is on earth, Brother Jesse, folks that have lived a lifetime in search of an elusive dream of something, Brother Wesley, that would make them happy and bring peace and bring joy. 
and they find themselves 70 and 80 and some 85 and 90 years of age and they have no peace and they have no joy and they find out they have wasted their entire life and they have nothing to show for it, nothing. Hey, listen. There was a young man that helped me when after I surveyed this property before we built this house, I wanted to make sure that it was right. And that young man came and he took me down into this hollow And you can't see it from here, but there's a huge beech tree, probably a hundred years old, down in that hollow down there. And on the other side of that beech tree, brother, you it had grown so much through the years that it was hardly recognizable, but you could tell that beech tree had been marked and there was an F in that beech tree. Stands for Finley. The Finley Park Finleys. That at one time that marked the property line in the boundary of the Mr. Finley. I never knew Mr. Finley. And I don't care that a hundred years ago he had this land. And a hundred years from now, who's going to care what you owned? A hundred years from now, who's going to care what kind of community you lived in? A hundred years from now, after your children and grandchildren have already wasted your inheritance you left them, who's going to care what kind of car you drove? You better leave a posterity that matters, something that counts. And the only way you'll ever do that, Brother Jesse, is the new birth. I don't know if some of your family's ever going to get saved or not. I don't know. But I know one thing. If you've been born of the Spirit of God and you walk with God and you obey God, you'll meet God in judgment one day knowing you did everything you could do. And that'll be your posterity. You'll stand before God knowing you were a light and knowing you were a witness. But I believe with all my heart when folks are right with God. And when the womb of the church is healthy and the Holy Ghost is coming around and He's loving on people's souls, I believe there'll be children born. We're looking for some to be born right here, right now. I'm looking for it. Brother Tim, I can't speak for anybody else, but son, I know where God birthed me. I wonder how many of you this morning could go back without any reservation, take me back to the time and the place where God rung you out like a dish rag and showed you that you were lost, showed you that you were empty and you really needed help. You see, a salvation testimony starts not with getting saved. It starts with getting lost. Where did you get lost? Where did God reveal to you that you were desperately lost, hopeless, and helpless? Where did God show you? I remember that very well where God showed me. Do you remember the place where you were when you finally surrendered your heart to the cause of the Holy Ghost and the demands of Christ? Do you remember the time and the place where your world literally changed and you, you are not what you used to be. You know that without any shadow of doubt. Listen, friend, I love you, but this is a no-so salvation. I know when God changed me. I can take you back to that old, I can take you back to that old trailer. It's still sitting there where God made me different.